Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Bay Preps Insider Podcast, which is almost as funny as 25. Section playoff semifinals are right in front of us, so without any need for beating around the bush, let's get right into it, break down this weekend's games. Central Coast section, North Coast section, San Francisco, Oakland, you know the deal. You're probably listening to this on your way to work right now. Or maybe in the classroom because you know that this is more important than school. I totally was kidding when I said that. Or was I? I I would love to imagine that, like, there are kids hiding AirPods in their ears listening to Bay Preps Insider instead of learning about Siddhartha. You know, there are fun things to learn in school. Siddhartha is not one of them. Terrible book. Worst book I've ever read. Incredibly boring. So... North Coast section, there are actually a couple of championships this weekend, while most divisions will have semifinals. Obviously, there is the big open division championship game between San Ramon Valley and De La Salle. We will get to that. There are also the eight-man championships. Friday night, number one, Roseland University Prep facing number two, Sweat, which I've always thought, I know it's spelled differently, but being at a school called Sweat, I feel like just people chanting, you know, beat sweat or let's go sweat has got to be, got to be a little unusual, a little odd. Anyway, they'll be playing at Tamales. I still don't understand why Tamales appears to be Roseland University Prep's home field. At the very least, it has been for the postseason. I guess that's considered the most appropriate eight-man football field around. Then Saturday, it'll be the top two seeds in eight-man Division One. Originally, the game was going to be held at Kizar Stadium. It has since been moved. It looks like South Fork will now host Stewart Hall at 3 p.m. I presume that has to do something with the field conditions at Kizar, knowing that there will already be two AAA games there, as well as rain factoring in. Division 7, number 1, Clear Lake, hosting number 5, Ferndale, and number 2, Willits, hosting number 3, Kelseyville. All of those up along 101, with the exception of Clear Lake, because Clear Lake is a good bit further inland. The thing with Lake County, it's a very pretty area. It is known for, you know, not being one of the wealthier parts of the state. But more than anything, it's just kind of a pain to get to. It's not close to 101, it's not close to 5, it's just kind of a pain to get to anything in Lake County, and that's, I think, the biggest reason it's kind of thought of as this, like, backwoods place. In Division 6, we've got number 1, St. Vincent DePaul, hosting number 4, Fortuna, on Saturday afternoon. Mustangs hosting the Huskies. Friday night, we will get the seemingly annual NCS matchup between Moreau Catholic and Salesian. Second-seeded Moreau will be hosting that one. Salesian, the three-seed. Remember, Moreau had to go on the road last week to Arcata, as Arcata was a league champion. Last year, Salesian ended Moreau's season, beating them 14-10 in a first-round matchup. 2021, Moreau went winless. They did not meet. 2018, they met in a non-league game. Seems like they match up pretty frequently, though. Division 5, number 1 Miramonte will host number 4 Alhambra. Game across the two divisions of the Diablo Athletic League, Miramonte in the foothill, Alhambra in the valley. Alhambra won the valley division while Miramonte finished 4th in the foothill division. 
I just learned today, and I don't know how I didn't know this sooner, that the Diablo Athletic League is actually scrapping divisions for basketball this year. It's just going to be one big old round robin, followed by a league tournament. So not unlike what the EBAL is doing, except it's going to be with 13 teams. I am much more of a fan of power leagues if your league is in excess of, you know, 11 or 12 teams. I've spoken with a few coaches that weren't especially fond of this either. This may just end up being a one-year thing. Not entirely sure, but we'll let you know as I hear more. The winner of that game will face either St. Bernard's or Annalee. Those teams will play Saturday up in Eureka. Crusaders the two-seed. Tigers the three-seed. If you look at the URL on the Max Preps page for Annalee, instead of saying Annalee Tigers, and this is just in the URL bar, it says West County team because for a year after El Molino High School was kind of absorbed into Annalee, it was just called West County High School, and then that that got dropped pretty quickly. I think they're actually called the Ligers because I want to say El Molino was the Lions. Division 4 will have an all-green and gold game with number 1 San Marin hosting number 4 Maria Carrillo. And number two, Akalanes hosts number three, Vallejo. Both of those games Friday night. Obviously, throughout the entire run, it's been, you know, are Akalanes and San Marin going to face each other again? They met way back in the opening week of the season, a 27-20 San Marin victory. By all means, they are expected to link up again in a week. Division three, interesting to see how Marin Catholic's going to respond after... Struggling through last week's win over Bishop O'Dowd, just 7-7 at the half before pulling away. This against the Dragons team that they beat 52-0 earlier in the year. They will have a rematch again this week, this time against number 5 Tam after the Red-Tailed Hawks outlasted Casa Grande last week. That is, of course, Saturday afternoon at Marin Catholic. Friday night, there will be an all-red and gold game with number 2 Los Lomas hosting number 3 Cardinal Newman. Los Lomas, another team that, despite being a higher seed, had to go on the road last week. They were the two-seed and had to travel to number seven, Ukiah, as Ukiah had won the NBL Redwood. Within the North Bay League, because I believe it is the only school in the league in Mendocino County. Now, it is a pretty good-sized school, nearly 1,800 students, with alumni including the band AFI. And by enrollment size, they really wouldn't fit with the teams further north. I mean, it would be a long drive for them wherever they'd go if they'd have to go further north to deal with teams like Eureka and Arcata, or as they do currently going further south to deal with the Sonoma teams. They're kind of in no man's land, but it is actually a pretty good-sized school as it covers really a lot of southern Mendocino County, but they are a bit of an outlier within that league geographically. NCS Division 2, both games Friday night. Number 1, El Cerrito hosting number 5, Heritage. Number 2, Windsor hosting number 6, Rancho Catare. High seeds expected to win both of those games. But Rancho provides an interesting rematch with Windsor. Those teams met in NBL Oak play back on October 13th, a game that Windsor won 35-7. to that night, Judson Anderson threw for three touchdowns, two to Joseph Campbell. His brother Hayden Anderson did not get in the end zone, but had eight catches for 121 yards, while Rancho Catate did not complete a pass. They did, however, complete two passes to Windsor for interceptions. 
Safe to say the Cougars are playing much better since then, and while I would certainly consider Windsor the presumptive favorite in this game, I would not be surprised at all for this to be a much closer meeting than last time. And then finally, Division One. Well, you have a Division One semifinal and the Open Division Championship with the Open Division One format that I have explained ad nauseum, and I'm not going to repeat again because if you're listening, you're probably used to it at this point, or at least aware of how it works, even if you're still getting used to it. It will be in the Division One semifinal, number three, Pittsburgh, hosting number five, California. Remember, Pittsburgh had to come back when these teams met. Back on September 15th, Pitt trailed 21-3, scored four times in the third quarter, and went on to win 38-35. Only after one last Grizzly comeback that had given Cal a brief 35-31 lead. Despite all of the touchdowns and turnovers, there were still seven punts in that game, which, looking at the box score now, I can't imagine there was, like, a single long drive. Everything must have either been a three-and-out score or a turnover. And just going off of the max prep score tracker, which is by no means super scientific, it doesn't look like either team ever really had the ball for more than about four or so minutes. That's a fun type of game. I can appreciate a good long drive, but when you've got possession changing hands so quickly, it kind of keeps you on your toes, especially when it's not just the teams trading three and outs. Finally, We get to where I will be Friday night, the Open Division Championship game at Dublin, where hopefully this projected light drizzle turns into no rain whatsoever. It looks like, for those of you interested in going, if rain was going to discourage you from attending, it's going to hardly be an issue. Might be a sprinkling at some point, if we trust the AccuWeather forecast, which, while it's not perfect, is far better than the... Apple Weather app, which I recommend to absolutely nobody. I also recommend Apple Maps to absolutely nobody. So it'll be number one, De La Salle, number two, San Ramon Valley. These teams already met in a game that's going to be really hard to follow up. Remember, De La Salle scored 20 points very quickly with the help of a tip ball for a pick six to go up 27 to 12. SRV came back to tie it with the help of an onside kick. Recovered a fumble, had a chance to kick a late field goal to win the game. That kick missed. Then in overtime, SRV missed another field goal, and De La Salle came down and scored on four plays to win 33-27. This time it'll be in a neutral site, and it'll be De La Salle in the green jerseys, SRV in white. It'll be my fourth time seeing the Spartans this year, my third time seeing the Wolves, teams that I'd like to think I'm pretty familiar with at this point. My expert prediction, granted I've seen neither of these teams in person since that night, but have kept up quite closely with both of them. My expert prediction is that De La Salle wins by something around 7 to 10 points. I do think SRV has addressed some of their shortcomings from the last meeting, specifically having a running back, because not only were they obviously down John Powell Mendoza in that first meeting, and he's done for the year, but they were also missing Matthew Garibaldi, who's been the backup. He's healthy. He ran for two touchdowns last week against Campolindo. Marco Jones also ran for a touchdown on what looked like his only carry of the night. They've been giving it to him in short yardage spots. So SRV now has an answer in short yardage situations. 
Now, they did potentially lose Owen Scott to an injury last week. We'll find out his status tomorrow. He's been a good passing threat out of the backfield, but if you get a better game out of Hudson Britton, Danny Drucker, Dylan Deitch, guys that were relatively quiet the first time, that'll more than make up for it. I don't think Brenton had a single reception. Neither did Drucker. I don't know if Drucker even suited up that night. He might have been hurt. But those things will be able to cure themselves. They have no shortage of talent at the skill positions. However, whether you're giving the ball out of the backfield to Jones or Garibaldi, creating holes for them against a really good De La Salle front is going to still be an issue. In some ways, this is a typical De La Salle team in that pretty much everyone with a jersey number in the 50s is a stud. And they did not have sophomore Nimaya Talona when they met last time. He was out injured, but Chris Biller was excellent. Matt Johnson was quite good. Kaimo and Anu Appella had a very good game. Those are three guys that I'm looking at once again to make plays for De La Salle. Also, last time we didn't see a ton out of Colton Seastrand or Drew Cunningham. I think some of that was because SRV was just trying to keep things away from them. Same goes for Dom Galwitz. I get the feeling all three of those will factor in. Last time, SRV really tried to target Ant Dean and Treshawn Wright a bunch, and it didn't always work. So I think there are going to be a few different guys that are going to be asked to step up defensively for De La Salle. The biggest reason I think De La Salle wins this rematch, though, is simply that they're on a roll lately. They're playing really good football. They're on a nine-game winning streak. Since the SRV game, they beat El Cerrito comfortably, pulled away from Monta Vista in the third quarter, crushed a Clayton Valley team that admittedly had some players out suspended, and after being a little bit slow out of the gates, took care of Logan, pulled away by the early third quarter there. So that is my expert prediction. If De La Salle does win, it would be really fun to have SRV face Pitt with the arguments over, you know, should SRV have been the two seed? Should Pittsburgh have been the two seed? From a narrative standpoint, I am really glad that SRV got that two seed. The nice thing is Pittsburgh will have a chance to prove on the field whether or not they should have been in this situation. Obviously got to win tomorrow first. It's hardly a foregone conclusion with how well Cal has been playing. I'm sure it's killing the guys at Pitt to not get a crack at De La Salle, but maybe there's a world where in NorCal bowl games, say, hypothetically, De La Salle wins and then Pitt beats SRV next week. Maybe they could get lined up in a NorCal bowl. I don't think that happens. I would think one of them gets Folsom and one of them gets someone out of the central section, potentially Clovis North. But that is a fun thing to entertain. And it wouldn't be unprecedented, considering that last year, for example, you had a NorCal bowl between two central coast section champions out of D4 and D5. I haven't seen it happen in higher divisions, but it is something for thought. By the way, those central section teams... Number one seed is Clovis North. They'll be hosting number four, Clovis East. Number three is Liberty out of Bakersfield, who's beaten Pittsburgh in both a NorCal final and a state game. They will host number seven seeded Central, who's had some success at the state level. Central upset number two, Frontier of Bakersfield, that all being the Central section D1 bracket. I mentioned Folsom as the presumptive top team out of the Sac Joaquin section. Virginia Tech just offered their quarterback, Ryder Lyons. Quick 
Update there. Folsom will host number five Indercom tomorrow night. That is not a foregone conclusion, especially after Indercom wiped the floor with Monterey Trail. And then number two Central Catholic hosting number three Oak Ridge. Other big Sac Joaquin powers of note that have had success at the state level. Just to get the ball rolling on discussion about possible NorCal matchups. In D2, number one St. Mary Stockton is going to host number four Manteca. Number two, Rockland is going to host number six, Del Oro, who won a three-overtime thriller over third-seeded Jesuit last Saturday. Grant is the top seed in Division Three and will host number four, Oakdale. Grant beat Linden 82-7 last week. Not sure if even Aaron Judge would have been able to make up the competitive gap there. On the other side of the bracket is number two, Wood Creek, a school that's been known for a lot of basketball success, against number three, Vanden. Vanden wide receiver Marcellus Chandler just committed to San Jose State. Before taking a break, I do want to give a brief moment to recognize the teams that are going to be playing in the state volleyball championships this weekend. The top three Northern California representatives all have something in common. They're all from the WCAL. Mitty beat St. Francis in four sets to become the NorCal Open Division champ and will face number one Modern Day. 6.30 p.m. Saturday night at Santiago Canyon College. Modern Day is 42-2 and has lost just 19 sets all year. They avenged one of those losses, which came in a tournament against Cathedral Catholic of San Diego, who they beat in the SoCal Open Division Championship game. The other loss was to number two seed Miracosta, who Cathedral Catholic beat in the SoCal semifinal. Division one. Valley Christian swept Rockland on the road and will face Palos Verdes in Friday night's finale. Valley Christian was the lone WCAL rep in D1, while the Open Division had three teams. Midi, St. Francis, SI. SI lost to St. Francis, St. Francis lost to Midi. Even with the league cannibalizing itself, the WCAL has three state volleyball championship representatives the other being Sacred Heart Cathedral, who defeated Clovis North in four sets. The Fightin' Irish will face Campbell Hall, a very prestigious private school out of North Hollywood. That is the middle game on Saturday. Division 3, it'll be Rippin Christian, the Road Warriors. Rippin Christian, with just about 200 students, pushed up to Division 3, has not been an issue for them. Neither has hitting the road again and again. Knocking off number four, Head Royce, number five, Carmel, number eight, Lowell, and then number three, Archie Williams, all on the road. They will face number two, Redwood, out of Visalia. Division four, it'll be a Bay Counties League representative, Marin Academy. They were the second seed in Northern California and swept Kingsburg. They will face number one, Glendale, from, well, Glendale. Glendale High's teams, I just learned this, are called the Nitros which is awesome. Division 5 will be number 4 Crystal Springs Uplands as the NorCal rep after they went up to Sacramento and swept Bradshaw Christian. They will face number 2 Oceanside out of, you guessed it, Oceanside. So it looks like the Division 5 and 1 championships are being played on Friday. And then Saturday you'll have Divisions 4, 3, 2, and the Open Division. Whereas with basketball, you have 12 championships, so you got to play six each day. They don't have that issue for volleyball. You've got just six of them. 
and can spread them out so that you don't have championships going on, you know, middle of the day on Friday. There is no Division VI Volleyball State Championship. There is solely a NorCal bracket where Fall River followed up their North Coast section title with a NorCal title. They beat Maxwell in straight sets. Both those schools out of the Northern section. Fall River is in a census-designated place, not a city, not a town, called MacArthur, which is located in Shasta County. It is at just over 3,000 feet. And as I am recording this at 1 a.m. on Friday, it is currently a balmy 34 degrees there. Maxwell is in Calusa County, just off of Highway 5. MacArthur off of Highway 299. It is in eastern Shasta County. If you go any further east, you hit Lassen County. With that little geography lesson, it's time for a quick break. When we get back, we will be talking about Central Coast Section football playoffs, all 10 semifinal games, well, one of which is sort of a championship and also a semifinal. We'll talk about that when we get back. And welcome back to episode 24 of the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Ethan Castle. Before the break, we talked about North Coast section football playoffs as well as state volleyball championships. Real quick, before we continue, just a little housekeeping. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor, please give me a message, ethancastle at gmail.com. This is also your semi-regular reminder to subscribe to the show if you haven't yet. Give us a like, leave a review, share it with anyone you think might be interested. Really enjoying growing this community. And most importantly, if you see me around, say what's up and tell me you've been listening. At the time of recording, we are halfway through the semifinals in the CIF San Francisco section, or the Academic Athletic Association. In the first semifinal Thursday night, it was number one Lincoln beating number four Washington 46-13, was 14-13 after a quarter before the Mustangs pulled away. They will play 11 a.m. on Thanksgiving at Keysar Stadium against either number two Balboa or number three Lowell. Those teams meeting this Friday, also known as today, November 17th, 5 p.m. at Keysar. It is worth noting that the championship game in the AAA, the Turkey Day game as it's typically known, is the only high school football game in the entire state of California on Thanksgiving Day. Ever since the Big Bone game got moved off of Thanksgiving so that Lincoln and San Jose can apply for the playoffs, this is the last one. There are games in other states that are played on Thanksgiving, but if you want actual high school football in California on Thanksgiving, Keysar Stadium is the one and only place that you can get it which, if you ask me, is a pretty special tradition. So once again, it'll be Lincoln facing either Balboa or Lowell. Over in the OAL, interesting developments. Number one, McClymans was going to host number four, Skyline, in the semifinals. Typically, the Silver Bowl is played at a neutral site, the OAL Championship. But this year's Silver Bowl has officially been awarded to McClymans. They will get to host the game as well as the flag football championships for the OAL earlier in the day. 
So McClymonds was going to host number four Skyline. Skyline forfeited the game after firing their first-year head coach. I don't know what the heck happened there, why a head coach was fired so promptly, what went on. All I can say is I hope it was a darn good reason. This happened on Tuesday afternoon. So it was too late for Fremont, who had tied Skyline in the standings, but had lost out on a coin flip to replace them in the postseason. So whoever's fault it is, and I'm not sure, I'm not placing the blame on anyone because I'm not in-depth on the situation, but whoever's fault it was, whether that be a coach, an administrator, multiple people that caused Skyline to forfeit instead of play this playoff game, which, yeah, they would have gotten beaten by a lot, but it would have been the Home finale for McClyman's head coach, Michael Peters. Shame on you, whoever you are, whatever role you're in. But good on the OAL as a whole, including Commissioner Frankie Navarro, as well as the member schools for coming up with a quick interim plan. Instead, McClyman's will host the Silver Bowl. They're likely to win that by a whole lot. That's going to be the final home game for head coach Michael Peters. He's going to be bringing back a bunch of former players and assistants. Should be a terrific celebration of everything that McClyman's football has been and become. So they will host either number two Castlemont or number three Oakland Tech. I love that the schools all came together and said, yeah, we'll let them host this. Send off one of the most decorated coaches in section history in style. So in the end, this whole thing is basically just going to be, you know, it's going to go off eight days later, and it's going to come with a trophy presentation at the end. As for the Central Coast section, the one that I would think still the, maybe not majority, but at least the largest portion, a plurality of my listeners are interested in, it's semifinal week. There are 10 semifinal games, eight to be played on Friday, Two to be played on Saturday, all of the Friday games, 7 p.m., both of the Saturday games, 1 p.m., and as always, we're going to take things from the bottom up, starting in Division 5, working our way up to Division 1 in the Open Division. Division 5, you will have number 1, Woodside, hosting number 4, Santa Teresa, number 3, South City, hosting number 7, Leland. I love driving by South City today when I was going to get an oil change. Seeing on the announcement board, you know, the, I guess you could call it a marquee sort of dot matrixy board right along El Camino, you know, announcing very proudly CCS semifinal football game Friday, 7 p.m., which, considered the two years ago this school didn't even have a football team, hopefully the community really turns out for this one. Just phenomenal. Phenomenal that they've gotten this far. Win or lose, this has been a tremendous season for them, and to beat a pretty quality Silver Creek opponent to advance to a semifinal, pretty darn cool. I got a kick out of the quote from South City head coach Colone Pua, which was then delivered to the Mercury News via Glenn Reeves. Silver Creek's defense was one of the best we played. I told the guys, we're not playing C-League teams anymore. We're playing guys who know how to play football. Harsh? Unintentionally funny? Absolutely true. My D5 bracket is already busted. 
If I had to pick from here, I would think Santa Teresa is going to win it. I had them reaching the final and then losing to Overfeld. So both semifinals are PAL teams hosting BVAL Mount Hamilton teams. Division 4, you've got two PAL teams hosting BVAL Santa Teresa teams. In fact, hosting BVAL Santa Teresa division champions with number one Palo Alto hosting number five Lee and number two Mountain View hosting number three Branham. Lee getting to this point on the heels of JV call-up QB Charlie Lyon. They did get Cheyenne Shariat back last week. Mountain View banged up, bruised, beaten throughout league play over their last two games have now erupted for 91 points. Should be a fun battle at the QB position in that game between Branham's Jack Lewis and Mountain View's Kevin Conway. Honestly, this might be my favorite matchup of all 10 CCS matchups this week, regardless of division. I think it's going to be a super unpredictable game. Could go in a whole lot of different directions. Obviously, I will be at the NCS Open Division Championship, but this is one that I will have a very close eye on. I think that and the Los Gatos SI game are the two best matchups in terms of just expecting late drama. Division 3, you do have a Saturday game with number 6, Scotts Valley, hosting number 7, Alisal. Remember, Scotts Valley won the PCAL Mission North while Alisal finished second in the Mission South. That said, their loss to Carmel was by the slimmest of margins. A game they led by two scores late and then kind of self-destructed with an inability to recover onside kicks. Considering that Carmel was up in Division 2 before getting eliminated by SoCal and that Scotts Valley lost to SoCal, it would be hard to declare the winner of this game the ultimate PCAL mission champ. But if Scotts Valley wins, you could certainly make an argument for them having that title. The other semifinal, Friday night, number four, Palma, visiting number one, Menlo Atherton. Palma, a very popular pick to win this division. MA, a pretty popular pick as well. Saw very few predictions for anyone out of the other half of the bracket to win it, though I did see a couple for Aragon. What's cool about this game is that over the last few years, Menlo Atherton has had some great wideouts that have played games at Coach Parks Field. Troy Franklin, Jalen Moss couple that also ended up as defensive backs between Jeremiah Irby and Makai Blackman. And this time they'll be welcoming in a top receiver in the form of Notre Dame commit Logan Saldate. Saldate on one end, Alec Marshall on the other. Also via Brandon Huffman saw a recruiting update for junior linebacker Devin Hyde at MA, who it looks like Washington is currently his leader. Would be hard to not want to play for the Huskies right now. I can tell you, if all opportunities with possible majors and financial aid were equal, I would have gone to school with Washington. I really, really like that school and that campus. So, aside from just the football and playing in front of 70,000 people right on the water, very good overall experience. And I just want to take this opportunity to remind you guys, players that are being recruited, please remember, you're not just committing to a coach or a team. You're committing to a school and where you're going to be spending nine, ten months out of the year. And while obviously playing time and being an athlete should be an important part of the experience, just where am I most likely to get playing time and where am I most likely to win 
should not be the only factors you're considering. You got to consider where you're going to be happy during the time you're not on the field or in the weight room. Division two, you've got number two, Soquel, hosting number six, Monterey, in a PCAL Gabalon rematch. These teams squared off all the way back on September 29th, a 21-7 Soquel victory. That was Soquel's first game for their boatload of transfers who had come over from Santa Cruz. So in turn, Monterey didn't really have much to prep for, hadn't really seen the personnel. Yes, Jordan McCord was already there, but nonetheless, SoCal did come into that game with an element of surprise. This time, both teams will come in knowing each other much better, knowing personnel front and back, knowing what sets to expect, what trick plays to expect. SoCal's defense this year has pitched seven second-half shutouts. The Monterey offense versus the SoCal defense should be tremendously fun. Kevon Collins is obviously a big-time deep threat for Monterey. Get the ball into his hands anywhere, and he's a threat to get in the end zone, whether you're taking the top off the defense or giving it to him on a screen or an end-around. You know, Worth I really liked last week, and I think Preston White is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in Northern California simply because down in the 8-3-1, you don't necessarily get as much attention. But a six foot four QB with good pocket presence, good mobility, really good field vision. I enjoy, I really enjoyed watching him. Also, if you're looking for a narrative to get interested in, Monterey has been dealing with idiot neighbors for years now, trying to get permanent lights at their field. So whether or not you want to see Monterey or SoCal win this game, or if you have a stake in it, I think we can all get behind Monterey and their battle to get stadium lights. New stadium lights don't even bleed over into the rest of the neighborhood. So if you're one of the small handful of neighbors that are trying to fight against Monterey getting stadium lights, screw you. You are also almost certainly not listening to this, unfortunately. So again, preaching to the choir. 99% of the time, the problems I have are not going to be solved by people that are listening to this. The people that are listening to this are on my side. The other Division II semifinal will be Saturday afternoon. The matchup that nobody saw coming. Number five, Menlo hosting number eight, Christopher. I will be there. I have not seen the Cougars since 2021. Looking forward to watching them. Looking forward to seeing Amari Bluford and William Rizcala. I think as a sophomore... A couple years ago, I did get to see a bit of Blueford, but really don't have much recollection of Rizkala on the varsity team at that time. He may very well have been getting some reps on that varsity team as a sophomore, but I certainly don't remember him as one of their featured pieces. I do remember undersized but talented QB Spencer Gorgulo and wideout Jatarius Lee. But I believe Rizkala was on the JV team at that time as I scroll through the 2021 roster. If he was called up, it would have been very late in the season. Menlo, not only did they have the crazy win over Live Oak last week, they did it without top receiver Brady Jung and top linebacker Palmer Riley, who's only a sophomore, that I really think he's going to be playing D1 football when it's all said and done. That game against MA back in September, he really broke out, and I have super high hopes for him. Not sure of their injury status. Sometimes I will say I'm not sure about injury status because I'm not at the liberty to disclose those things, and I have relationships to protect with coaches 
and teams and such. That is not the case here. I truly do not know. What I do know is that there are two games we have yet to discuss. The Division I semifinal as well as the Open Division Championship game. The Division I semifinal. The Wildcats are going to win. Book it. Number three, St. Ignatius hosting number four, Los Gatos. The Wildcats will win, while the Wildcats will see their season come to an end. I don't usually play sound effects in these, because, you know, first off, I just don't have the time to do fancy editing. Second, I'm not sure if I'd be able to make it sound good, but I am absolutely going to include this legendary Simpsons moment. It would be simply wrong if we didn't, considering the circumstances. Who were we? The Wildcats! Who were we gonna beat? The Wildcats! That's all you need to know about tonight's game between St. Ignatius and Los Gatos. Okay, if you want actual analysis, I think these teams have a lot of similarities. Both can use a lot of different options, rushing and receiving. I think Los Gatos has the most high-impact playmaker at any of the skill positions in the form of Jalen Thomas. I think boxer cop Zach Young is really good as well. But don't sleep on the SI backfield combo of Jarius Hogan and Cameron Jones. SI has a billion receivers and tight ends they can go to, headlined by Monroe Barnum, Pierce St. Gem, and Nao Tito, but those are far from the only options. This is a tough game to predict. On one hand, Los Gatos beat Reardon, who beat SI. On the other, SI's been playing darn good football lately. And most importantly, if this comes down to the wire, which it very well could, yes, Los Gatos had the two-minute drill to beat Wilcox and win the league title. But you know how sometimes when an NFL QB takes the field at the end of a game, you see the graphic, you know, X amount of game-winning or tying drives in the fourth quarter or OT. Well, SIQB Soren Hummel has led five of those in 11 games this year, a couple of which the defense then went on to get a stop after, a couple of them including last week against Valley Christian, led to a touchdown in the final seconds. No shortage of drama for these guys. If Los Gatos wins, I think they do it by somewhere between 7 and 14 points. If SI wins, it's going to be even closer than that. You know how this goes. And with that, we have finally arrived at the CCS Open Division Championship, where, remember, the loser out of this game will go and play in the Division I Championship next weekend. The winner has a week off, or if Sarah wins, two weeks off, because they will be the number one team They'll get two weeks off before playing in the state championship game because they'd be playing in the open division for sure. In a world where Wilcox wins, I have no idea who would get chosen as the Northern California representative for the open division. Honestly, my first thought, now that I'm contemplating this at all, I think in the unlikely scenario of Wilcox winning this game, I think it would go to Clovis North. We have had central section teams represent Northern California, including last year in the 
state basketball championships with NorCal Open representative St. Joseph out of Santa Maria. And considering that Clovis North is undefeated, I think you'd have to consider them. They are only two spots below Sarah in the California rankings. Sarah is listed by the Max Preps and Cal Preps formulas at seventh in the state. Top six are all Southern California. You got Clovis North at nine. Nobody else out of Northern California until you get down to Folsom at 20. Of course, Sarah is favored in this game. Considerably. I think the biggest advantage that Sarah has is that this won't be the first rodeo for Sarah's coaching staff against Wilcox. Sarah beat Wilcox in the 2019 CCS D1 semifinals. Just having experience against Wilcox's offense, against a team that runs such unique schemes, that runs the veer like that, runs at the speed they do. Even if none of these players were on the field for that game, just that the coaches have experience against it and can simulate it makes a big, big difference. Nonetheless, I wouldn't be shocked if this is a close game for a while. Maybe Wilcox takes it into the half tight, and then after that, I wouldn't be shocked if Sarah pulls away, which is what I expected to happen when Sarah played Valley Christian a few weeks ago. Now, that game stayed closer the whole way through, but it would be a fair prediction that Sarah's going to pull away somewhere in the middle quarters. I think Wilcox can get into halftime within two scores, and then I think Sarah pulls away. That is going to wrap up this episode of the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. If you're wondering what else I've been up to besides recording the greatest podcast ever, I have been working on my basketball master schedules. I keep a master schedule for four different leagues, the PAL, WCAL, EBAL, and BCL West. Though I have a radar on everything going on around the Bay Area and basketball, those are the four leagues that I certainly pay the closest attention to. And there's a good chance that those leagues contribute some of the teams that make for some of the main storylines as we get into basketball season. As much as I love playoff football, high school basketball is number one for me. If you know me, you know this. We're a week away from the NorCal tip-off. I'm going to be at actual high school basketball games within the next week. The first of, I don't know, something like 130 of them for the year. It's going to be a lot. I can't wait. And just like with football, I hope to see you there. So once again, if you're enjoying the Bay Preps Insider Podcast, please leave a review, subscribe, share it. The ratings and reviews and subscriptions really do help with the algorithms on various podcasting platforms, pushing these out to more and more listeners and getting more people interested. So even if it takes just a couple minutes to do that, write like one sentence, it really does help and it really is appreciated. You can also reach out to me at any time, ethancastle at gmail.com. Love to get in touch with you. And I look forward to seeing you around at games. Once again, this has been the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. Suggest like a go-to sign-off line if you think of one that I could use because I still don't have one. All right, that's going to do it. 
We'll talk again in the coming days.